Let's pray. Father, we give you thanks for an opportunity to um, come together and to express praise to you. You are so good. In this quiet moment, we turn our hearts and ask that you would allow for us through the words that I speak, that I pray are um, filled with your spirit, that you would speak to our hearts and help us become more loving people like you, Jesus. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. I uh, have the opportunity to meet once a year with some college friends. And one of the reasons the college experience was such a great experience for me is I made some lifelong friends that we meet on a yearly basis. And one of the friends of mine is an author and he's written... I think when we had met this a few years back, he had already written about four or five books. And so in talking with him, I, I, I was just sharing, what are you working on now? Is there, what's, what's the book you're working on? And he said, a book on community. And then he shared with me a little bit what it's about, some of what the chapters were. And, uh, and then I, I asked him, I said, well, what are you going to name the book? And if you've been around people who have opportunities to, to uh, write books, often publishing companies hold the right of what it will be named. But I think if you've written about four or five that have been really good sellers, you have a little more leeway. And so I said, are you going to get the opportunity to actually title the, the book? And he goes, yeah, I, I am. I said, so what is it? And he said, everybody's normal till you get to know them. It's on community. I, I thought that was an appropriate title. You see, from a distance, we all look pretty normal. Then you get married. Or you meet the in-laws. Or you serve on a board or in a ministry with someone. Or maybe you're on a project at work with, this, with the team and, and you go, whoa, they're just a little bit strange. Which means you're not like me, you're different. Right? Henry Nouwen writes, Community is the place where the person you least want to live with always lives. It's one of the great things about community. You will always find someone who will press your buttons or who will be what your, your mind says is not like me. We can find it in almost everything we do. But our mission is that we are to help all people, even the not normal ones like you and me, take their next step in knowing and following Jesus. And I've been having people say that, so I'm going to ask you to say that again, because I was at someone's house and we were in a small group meeting and they had trouble saying it, so I'm just going to, we're going to work this for a little bit. Let's say it together, to help all people take their next step in knowing and following Jesus. Our values are really pretty simple. It's, I'm hoping, something that we will be able just to, to integrate into who we are as people, and that is we want people to encounter God. I don't have a lot to give you as a person, and I don't know if you have a lot to give other people. But what transforms lives is the truth of God and His love that flows through us into other people's lives, and He uses us. He actually will use our wisdom, and He'll use our patience, or He'll use our faithfulness and dependability, or whatever it may be, to touch lives, so that they can have an encounter with God, so that... As a people, we want to grow in community, which is the value I want to talk about today. And the last value, which we'll talk about next week, is impact our world. So what does it mean to grow in community when you enter a community where the person you least want to live with always lives? Where people aren't normal. What does it mean for us as a people? What I want us to do is to underpin this value with a a, a verse in Scripture 
which comes in John chapter 1, verse 14. And so if you have a Bible with you and you want to take that, or you can see on the screen, John chapter 1, verse 14, the Word became flesh and lived for a while among us. We have seen His glory. And it continues at the very end of it and goes, the glory of the one and only Son whom, who came from the Father full of grace and truth. I cannot think of a better verse of Scripture to underpin this whole idea of community. And I just want to highlight a few principles. I mean, we will never in a half hour's time share what it means to grow in community. But I want to highlight a few things that I think are essential for us right now as we continue to grow together in community. And the first, to grow together in community requires time together. If you look at John chapter 1, verse 14, it says the Word became flesh and lived for a while among us. We've seen its glory. We are probably one of the most connected groups of people throughout all history through technology these days. But what is amazing, what they're finding is, even though technology gives us more time and is supposed to give us more connection, a lot of our connection is not coming through time and face time together. It's happening sometimes through email or texting or through all kinds of different technological means, cell phones, which you can carry with you practically everywhere, right? And have you ever been with someone, your spouse, who you have face-to-face time in there like this? You know what I mean? And, and even though you're connecting with someone else, you're face-to-face with someone else, and you're not really connecting with the person that you're right there. What's interesting about this word is that God says the word became flesh and actually dwelt, pitched his tent. As the message says, the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood so that God himself could spend time with you and me. One of the things that I do in my own life and have done now for many years, is has made a commitment that I would spend some time in the morning. And I, it doesn't matter when you do this. There isn't a magical um, time. But I will spend time in the morning. One of the first things I'll do, and, and I really got it from hearing Billy Graham at, at, uh, at an Urbana conference once say the most important thing he's ever done in his whole life was that he spent some time where he just, before he read the paper, before he did anything, he just got alone and spent time with God. Which began for me a life of journaling and, and praying and, and connecting. And this last week as I was writing in my journal, I, I, I just I, I, I wrote, I can't believe you, my God and Savior Jesus, are willing to meet with me every day as I quiet my heart and, and read your word. This incredible privilege. In fact, um, this January and February, the men's and women's retreat, we're going to be kind of giving some time around this whole area, this whole idea of what does it mean to spend time with God. But think about it. The God of the universe, the creator of everything that exists, the Lord God Almighty, the Lord God, ruler of the angelic army of heaven, the Lord most high, most holy, most like anyone else we know. He is the God who is all-knowing, all-seeing, All-powerful, always faithful, true, right, just, merciful, kind, patient, joy-filled, peace-filled, truth-filled. Our helper, our rock, our shield, our defender, our savior, our king. The president who rules this universe. The highest known leader to any person in any age. This God became flesh. So that he could live for a while among us. and, And we could know him. He chose to spend time with us. 
And to grow in community requires nothing more than that what God himself has done, and that is to spend time together. Listen to Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through 47. It's in the early church, and Luke is telling us about how the church lived together. When the Holy Spirit fell upon them and God himself indwelt his people, it says, pay attention, this is what the early church did. They committed themselves to the teaching of the apostle, the life together, the common meal, and prayers. Everyone around was in awe, all those wonders and signs done through the apostles and all the believers lived in a wonderful sense of harmony holding everything in common they sold whatever they owned and pooled their resources so that each person's need was met and they followed the daily discipline of worship in the temple followed by meals at home every meal a celebration exuberant and joyful as they praised god and people in general around in the community watched and looked on and said this is unusual and they liked what they saw And every day, people began to join in the celebration of this God who is willing to spend time with you and me. So what does it look like? What does sharing time together look like? It merely means, I think, in some ways, taking advantage of the opportunities to be together as a community, to grow together in community. And we have a whole host of those things. So this is really rather practical in one sense. There is the opportunity to meet together and to to do that in some kind of a habitual way where you're connecting with people, having face-to-face time. There are big events like this. Sunday morning services. There's special services, Thanksgiving night services. There's all kinds of different opportunities to come together, acquire concerts, retreats. We had a block party this summer that was a lot of fun. Food packing, just a few weeks ago. In March, there will, there's going to be a beach party. That's right, we're, we're all going to take flights down to... No. In this building, we are going to have a beach party together. Large groups. There are, there are large group places where you can get familiar with others. And as I list these things, I'm not saying that you should be involved in every one of these things. You need to pay attention to where you're supposed to be. But here are opportunities to have face-to-face time with other people. Places where you can get familiar with others in large groups. Adult education classes that happen on these, uh, during the services. Men's breakfast, women's events, youth group events, kids' adventure clubs. And then small groups. Opportunities not just to get familiar, but to get really close and intimate with some other people. Men's and women's groups, prayer groups, there's what we've just started, life groups, which take these messages and and, and instead of doing something new, applying what you heard here and say, how does this apply in my life today, what I've heard? Divorce care groups, grief groups, youth groups. And then there's serving teams, places where you can get next to someone and just get to know them as you serve together. All kinds of ways to do that. In fact, one of the things that has been growing so much in this church, and, 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 and honestly, when, when Mike was standing up here saying we, we are in a time when it doesn't make sense, but we sense the Lord leading us as, as we've been praying about an outreach pastor because we've seen this area in our church, God is blessing in this whole value of impact our world, which we have no one to staff and coordinate and pull all this stuff together. God's doing a great thing. And we expect great things to happen. And these are places where you can spend time. In fact, when I was thinking about this whole, when I was writing this about this outreach pastor, and people have asked me from time to time, what about people who are 35 years and and younger? What do we do? How do we reach them? 
as I continued to talk with other leaders and as I continued to read and see, do you know what? It's not primarily the kind of music, although it has some, uh, some merit, but it's not primarily the worship service that draws people. It's the opportunities for them to serve in worship. And by that, I mean by doing good and, and reaching out through social justice. In fact, I just read an article in, in uh, Newsweek magazine, and they talked about this proliferation of, of a generation that wants to go out and do good. And in some ways, I think that's one of the ways that we will help people encounter God, as they have a heart because they've been taught through high school to do community service stuff, and that's in their being. We have the opportunity to get people around other people who want to do good and through that have opportunity for encounters of God to take place. Well, to grow in community doesn't mean just spending time, but it means knowing and being known. John 1.14 says, The Word became flesh. We've seen His glory. It's a whole idea of God being self-revealing. God revealing Himself, his heart. The idea of the word is a complicated Greek concept. It's a philosophical concept that has many different roots, and I could take time explaining all that. I hope in maybe some of your life groups you might talk about it, but I really want to make it rather simple. This, in some ways, stoic philosophical principle, which talked about divine reason and helping that um, all creation just kind of begin to develop out of it. John takes this word and he, he roots it into this simple idea. That God Himself, the Word, became a person. I, I thought about that. How does God do this? And why would God even do this? Why does God need to reveal Himself self by coming and living for a while among us, spending time and pitching His tent in our neighborhood, so to speak, so that we could look at Him and see Him and, and be eyewitnesses. We've seen His glory. You see that, that, that phrase in there. That's what He's saying. It, it, guess what, guys? We have seen God. Why? How does God do this? Well, I was thinking about it. You know, look at nature. And if you look at nature, you can guess and see some characteristics about God. Look at the natural forces of a hurricane or feel the effects of an earthquake, a earthquake and, and you will know that if he's created this, he's powerful, right? You can, you can grab that from it. Look at the sunrise or a sunset or the fall colors of the tree and you know he's beautiful. Listen to the sound of a tornado or the fury of a thunderstorm and as any kid knows as he climbs into your bed, he's scary. Look at the immensity of the sky and you know he's awesome. Gaze at the wonder of a mountain and, and you know he's majestic. Watch the rolling, persistent waves of the ocean and you can't help but realize that he's persistent and faithful and dependable and he's there again and again. Eat a chocolate cream pie or for women anything chocolate, right? And you know God's good. But how do you know He's gracious and He's loving and He's forgiving and He's merciful and He sees us in our sin and who we are and He's willing to come and, and do what we can't do and save ourselves from our own selfish sin? How in the world do you know that from anything you look at through nature? I could stand up here and you could look at me without me saying words, you wouldn't know what's in my heart, right? The Word became flesh. God in his heart, 
so deeply loves you and me. He sees us in our sin. He sees our shame. He sees what haunts us. He knows our condition. And He knows that we need His love and salvation and forgiveness. And the only way He could make that clear is through a word, through His Son, Jesus. And that word, Jesus, was spoken so that we could look at it and know every time you look at a cross that in that cross is the love of God for you. And your sin and what you have done and the cost of that and the pain of that before Him and other people and what it's done to you has been paid for. You are now given an opportunity to know Him fully and allowing Him to fully know you. And that's what community is about. The Word became flesh. His willingness to reveal His heart through a Word. And this is what it means for us as a community. Not only do we have places where we can spend time together, but we also have places where we can be, be fully known and we can get to know fully someone else. Last week at the uh, staff meeting, Kevin Campbell, who's our middle school pastor for 6th through 8th graders, shared how God was at work in a group of 48-plus middle schoolers and leaders who went on a retreat. That in itself is a neat work that God is doing. 40 plus 6th through 8th graders. And, and this is what they did. They made masks out of this kind of whatever it is. You art teachers know what this is all about. And he says, when I first introduced the assignment, one of the girls in the retreat got really nervous about letting someone put plaster all over her face. She insisted she was not going to do it. I told her that this was important because we would use these masks throughout the retreat and they would use them as they would talk to one another. Afraid, she began to cry, and one of the middle school leaders worked with her and got her to a point of trust. Trust. Later, that student was able to show her mask to the group and express how she felt about the specific way in which people view her. One of our students began to pull away from the group and isolate himself, and again, one of our middle school leaders sat with him for a while and began to open up just a little bit, and at the end of the day, the two met on a path while they were preparing um, for bed that night. And again, this leader asked the student what was going on. This time, the student opened up his heart fully and began to cry. And as he shared what was going on inside of him, he shared a number of hurts. And they prayed together, and the student felt relief. He says, we gather on Sunday morning for a session, or Sunday evening for a session with middle school leader. Noticed one of the girls was glaring at one of the guys. Not a good thing. Okay? And after a little investigation, found out that the male student had said something that hurt the female student. She sat with the both of them, and the girl shared her hurt. And after a while, the boy began to break down, sensed his remorse. And this leader began to share with the boy what God was doing within him. And the three of them came back to the group with relationships restored. And Kevin commented as he wrote this to me. At times, we hear these stories and have a tendency to blow them off. But I challenge us to do not to do so. Every time we can lead a student into taking off the mask that everything is okay, we are preparing them to be authentic in their later years. How much better would it be if we as adults felt like we could be authentic with people and expect authenticity in return? I can't, I mean, I have to share with you over this past few years, and I'm sure this is happening throughout the life of this church, but in the past few years, I've had people come to me, some who've been in church for years, and said, I'm so grateful. One, one family said to me, I'm so grateful that you have said over and over again to look at one another and to say you don't have your act together, we're broken people. 
Because it gave us permission to look at our lives and get honest and real and authentic. And if that isn't what the church should be, then we're missing it. It just becomes a club. In fact, I spoke at Teen Challenge last week, and, and these are people who have had their masks ripped off because of their own choices and decisions. And as I spoke to them, and had people come up afterwards and just share, because they're in a broken place. I've been to a treehouse gala. I've been to the team, to, um, I, I listened to the Family New Life Services and got to watch the DVD of that. I was last night at the, a place called The Retreat and listened to some of the things that were happening in that group. And I, and I found something interesting in all these things. All these people come around this sense of brokenness. Last night, they would get up and they would introduce themselves and they would say, Hi, I'm Joe. I'm an alcoholic. And everyone else would say, Hi, Joe. I thought for a while, what if we in this church did something similar to that? Every time a person got up here to speak, I would have to say, Hi, I'm Kevin, and I'm a sinner. I mess up my life. I hurt my wife. I hurt my kids. I hurt other people, and I recognize that. But you know what? You would all go, Hi, Kevin, because you all do the same thing. And you know what keeps a a church becoming a community where it's possible to be known and to know other people is when you stay at the root of this truth. That's why these groups, whether you look at Teen Challenge or you look at um, New Family Life Services or if you look at um, any of these types of groups out there, one of the reasons they seem to stay at a place where they're not just a club, but they're truly a community where people are open is because they always start out with the foundational truth, and that is, I am in need of help. And the reason we praise God and celebrate whatever songs we use about this person, Jesus, is because Jesus came to help us so that we could be known by God and be fully known and and know Him and that we could do the same for one another. I just think it's, it's so sad. Because so many people, even in churches, live in isolation of what's really going on. I remember a number of years ago, I read, remember William Holden, the actor who, who um, you'd think everyone would know him. And here's this guy um, in a drunken stupor, falls, cuts his head, bleeds to death. And for three days, no one knows he's dead. How can that be? Well, not in communities where people are willing to get honest and vulnerable and open up their hearts. And to grow in community, John 1.14 makes it very clear, means that we have to have godly, godlike relationships. It's probably one of my favorite phrases in all of Scripture is in this verse. The glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. You can't have one without the other. God-like relationships, if we're going to have that kind of relationship where we can be known and we can know one another, it has to have these basic elements of grace and truth. Grace is the ability to accept you right where you're at without judgment. Truth is the ability to take you where your heart longs to be without judgment. Grace means we live in the as-is section of the universe. It means we live in the as-is section of the universe. 
I read this the other day. In certain stores, you'll find a section of merchandise available at greatly reduced prices. The tip-off is a particular tag you will see on all the items in that area. Each tag carries the same word, as is. This is a euphemistic way of saying these are damaged goods. Sometimes they're called slightly irregular. The store is issuing you really fair warning. This is the department of something's gone wrong, right? You're going to find a flaw, a stain that won't come out, a zipper that won't zip, a button that won't butt. It's kind of a joke. Anyway, there will be a problem. These items are not normal. We're not going to tell you where the flaw is. You'll have to look for it, but we know it's there. And so when you find it, and you will find it, don't come whining and sniveling to us. Because there is a fundamental rule when dealing with merchandise in this as-is section of the store. No returns, no refunds, no exchanges. And if you're looking for perfection, you walk down the wrong aisle. You have received fair warning. If you want this item, there's only one way to obtain it. You must take it as is. And this little phrase in John 1.14 is powerful. The, only, the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace. Means he takes you as is. And when you deal with human beings, you have to come to the as is corner of the universe. The church is a community in need of grace. So think for a moment about someone in your life. Maybe the person you know, you know best and you love the most. That person is slightly irregular, okay? Need I tell you that? This person comes with a little tag. And so does every person who sits in the pew next to you. There's a flaw here. A streak of deception. A cruel tongue. A passive spirit. An out-of-control temper. I'm not going to tell you where it is, but it's there. So when you find it, and you will find it, don't be surprised. If you want to enter a relationship with this model, there's only one way. As is, and if you're looking for perfection, you've walked down the wrong aisle in this community. I think we're all tempted to try and live under the illusion that somewhere out there, there are some people who are normal. But we are in that as in part of the community, as is part of the community in need of grace. But we are also, and let me just add this very clearly, we are in the shall be part of the community. Because we need truth. Jesus came full of grace. He took us as is because he didn't want to leave us where we're at. And that's one of our commitments to one another. I will take you as is without judgment, but I will also, as best I know how, share what I understand to be truth. And, and, and my prayer is that it won't always be that, you know, I don't know always when the big T is, but I do know in God's word there's truth. And, and here's the opportunity for us to enter into relationship so that I commit to you, if you will commit to me, to speak your truth. And, and then to be humble enough to know at times whether it's really your truth or God's truth. God's truth is very clear when it comes to things that hurt relationships. There's, there's laws, ten of them, that sum it all up. There's commands. There's all kinds of things in God's Word. And in His Word, there is the opportunity for us to come to people as is, and our commitment is to help them be what God wants them to become. 
which means that we have to do the things really, really difficult. And that is that we have to learn how to be in relationship when it's uncomfortable, when someone shares with you the truth. And instead of allowing and learning how to, to develop the kind of boundaries that say, I'll take this truth. I'm not going to let it always just come right into me because that's not right. You need to know as you take that truth and you need to pray and really go before God and say, God, is this true? And if it's true, why in the world would I want it in my life? And so... We are a community that will not just make these kind of statements, which I hear from time to time. It's kind of the Minnesota nice. It's to make excuses. Oh, that's just the way so-and-so is. Jesus never once said, oh, that's just the way the rich young ruler is. Oh, that's just the way Zacchaeus is. Oh, that's just the way Peter is. Oh, Oh, that's just the way the Pharisees are. Well, that's just the way the woman caught in adultery was. In fact, after Jesus gave grace to the woman caught in adultery, and he himself, who had the ability, the only one to throw a stone of condemnation, when all the rest of them dropped their stones and went away, and she experienced the love that came from God through this grace, this as-is moment, he said to her, now go and sin no more. In the sense, don't try and find what your heart most longs for in another relationship with anybody but me. So that we're going to be radically committed to honest, truth-filled lives. That mean that we don't slide into growth, but every person in this community who signs up as they move in and say, I will intentionally seek to grow. And then to grow in community, to impact our community, it always means you'll impact the greater community. What's so cool about John chapter 1, verses 1 and 14, where it says the Word, it starts out, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word then lived, um, became flesh and lived for a while among us. This, this transition of those two verses is the fact that here is God, who is a community of persons, people. I don't understand the Trinity. I can't explain it to you. In, I can give you examples of it, but no one can understand the Trinity, what it means for these persons to be fully God together and for Christ to become um, human and flesh and to be yet fully God. That's a mystery beyond our ability to actually explain. It's, it is one of the revelations we accept as truth. But what's really cool about it is that community of the Trinity, these three persons are so in love with one another. And when that love is so rich and so full, it desires to create, it desires to be in relationship with others. In the moment that the human race fell out of relationship with God, this human, this godly community could help but come down and impact this community that He had created. And we can't help but but impact the community around us if these first three things begin to take place in us. Our community, this community, should be a blessing to the communities we live in. I, I just tell you, what a treat to be allowed last week to show that video that this community made for Interfaith that now is on YouTube so all kinds of people can see it and it's going into businesses and it's going into other churches and and they asked us at the end, we never said anything about it, they asked at the end, could we just please say thank you, why is that a free church, and, and tell some of you for making it possible. So that every time that's shown, God receives glory. One of the concerns is, through all this stuff about growing in community, is that we don't lose the focus that we are to be a blessing and we're to be connected with our community. And I'll share with you one of my deep 
desires as a pastor, and I don't know how to do this fully, but I ask God for more and more wisdom on it, and I think it may happen through this outreach ministry that we have as we get this in place, is that we don't pull people out of their natural communities where they can impact people who need to know what it means to encounter the living God so that all they do is they meet together here. Somehow we need to kind of learn how to live in this balance that we spend face time together in the appropriate places. But our heart is this, that wherever your community naturally is, whether it's because your kids are in school and you're around the sidelines or at a band concert or wherever it is, your life is, as a result of this community, being a blessing to the community that you naturally live in. Whether you're at work, and that's a natural community for most people. You spend much time there. Our desire is not to try and pull you from these other natural communities, but it's that we might enrich you within this community that as you are blessed in relationship and and growing in community, you will then be a blessing to the communities that you're involved in. Wouldn't that be... I'm excited about that. Isn't that what God wants to do? Isn't that what God's doing? Isn't that what God is doing? Someone sent me a little message on a text this morning. I've gotten about four more. I feel vibrate in my pocket, so I don't know if you're telling me I'm going over time or what. But anyway, <laughs> someone said, uh, sent me a text that this, this idea that you were born for this day. And I just was thinking about it because I'm, you know, my, my strength finder is futuristic, strategic, achiever, activator, and uh, competitive. Okay, that's, that means that everything about me is out here that I just have to be reminded from time to time, and we need to be reminded, we were born for this day, and God is doing this in us. And I'm just going to appeal to us as a body. Let's put put aside the things of self and say, God, we are going to attack these days with a passion for you so that you receive glory in this community, the people that we naturally have relationships with are blessed. I had another illustration that I won't close with. I'll maybe hold on to that for another time. It's really a good one. But um, (laughs) but I will close with what I kind of wrote at the end. Everyone's weird. Every one of us, all we like sheep, that phrase, have habits we can't control, past deeds we can't undo, flaws we can't correct. This is the cast of characters God has to work with, and we're predisposed to this. It's what theologians call depravity. We lie and sacrifice integrity for a few extra dollars. I don't understand, officer, my speedometer must be broken. Maybe you've done that. We gossip for the sake of a few moments of feeling superior. We try to create false impressions of productivity at work to advance more rapidly. Actually, you can press a button that is called boss screen so that if you're doing something else, it can look like you're working. We seek to intimidate employees or, or children to gain control or to simply enjoy the feeling of power. Everybody's weird. Everybody's different. Because we know in our hearts this is not the way we are supposed to be. We try to hide our weirdness. And every one of us pretends to be healthier and kinder and smarter and sharper and, and more beautiful than you are. And there's appropriate boundaries. I'm not saying you go ahead and you share inappropriately. But 
It is true that this community, at its heart, if it's going to be what God wants it to be, will be a community that says we'll spend time together. We will get to know God and, and be known by Him and know one another and be known by one another and we will live in grace and truth with one another and we will then be a blessing to the community because we understand one thing. I'm Kevin. I'm a sinner. I need help, but praise God, there's Jesus. There's Jesus who came to this earth and there's Jesus who shows up in you who makes me what my heart longs to be and yours as well. We're going to stand and sing just a closing... Uh, chorus here of praise.